Hello and welcome to the Marketing Futures Podcast. Proud member of the ANA Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mike Burbridge. Today we have the pleasure of speaking with Francois Ribeiro, head of Discovery Sports Events and his partners in the metaverse, the Infinite Reality. We learned about Warner Brother Discovery's short and long-term objectives in the metaverse, brand new tools recently released by the Infinite Reality, and whether or not the industry has a metaverse hangover. Let's start the show. Everybody, welcome back to the ANA Marketing Futures Virtual Podcast Studio. We have one of my favorite things in the world today, and that is an international episode. Uh, we have got Warner Brothers, and we have got the infinite reality in the house. Uh, I want to thank everybody here today. Francois Ribeau, uh, Elliot Joby, and Hope Frank are all in the building. Thank you so much for uh, joining us today. Thank you. Hi, Michael. So I'm going to be focusing mostly on Elliot and Francois today because we're talking about a pretty massive partnership that is just completely future facing. But I just needed my buddy Hope Frank on the line because it's always just a better time when Hope's around. So thank you very much for acquiescing, Hope. I always appreciate it. We're going to like I said, talk about this really far-reaching partnership between these two organizations. But before we begin, I want to set a little baseline with our listeners. Elliot and Francois, uh, could you please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and how your journeys, respectively, led you to the Infinite Reality and Warner Brothers? <laughs> Good question, Michael. Um, so I'm I'm Francois Ribeiro. I'm uh, head of Discovery Sports Events, which is the um, event organization arm of uh, Warner Bros. Discovery Sports. I live in Paris and uh, I'm part of the European uh, organization side of uh, Warner Bros. Discovery, which is, I mean, as you know, uh, one of the largest media group in the world. My life, I've always been in sports somehow. I'm a former Olympic uh, sailor. Oh, wow. um, and I always wanted to to uh, spend my life in in sport. And and for me, I mean, I built my life um, trying to improve experience uh, in the real life of the events we organize. We organize forty five events uh, per year. And I came across totally by coincidence last May in France uh, with the CEO of Infinite Reality, John Acunto. But that time, Metaverse was only a vague concept in my mind, I must uh, confess. I came across John Acunto and Metaverse, which was only on the horizon, all of a sudden I realized it could become a reality for the entity I'm, I'm heading. Um, so for me, this is very new. Uh, metaverse, this is still very new, but I must say that over the last 25 years that I have been in business, this is the most fascinating piece of, of um, development I have ever done. I spent my entire life in, in production, in media distribution, in putting on the event, in trying to uh, revamp format, improve the experience to the fans. Um, and all of a sudden, I realized that with Metaverse, I could have all of those options, all, the, all of those uh, possibilities uh, under the same umbrella. And, and this is what uh, uh, makes uh, my the beginning of my journey with Infinite Reality a, a, a fascinating journey. So. That's very, very, very cool. That is such a great background. Um, Elliot. 
tell us a little bit about yourself, how your journey led you to the infinite reality. Yes, sir. Well, uh, the infinite reality for me, I've spent uh, about 20, 25 years in media and entertainment working with creatives, you know, Los Angeles, Hollywood, um, on, you know, films, commercials, really anything where there was an audience and there was, uh, you know, a, a lead creative that wanted to innovate and, and was using technology to do that. Um, and so it's it's been really across the board from, um, you know, a lot of scripted work um, over to a lot of work with commercials and brands. Um, spent a lot of time um, putting together new models for um, how to use technology and marketing and campaigns. You can think about how, you know, automotive went from a lot of uh, in-person photography to then digital renderings. There have been these big leaps at different chain at different times, but at all times, it's about the creative vision and how to bring that to the audience and the audience's experience itself. And so, uh, really, the big kind of kick in the pants, I would say, for us was in COVID, where uh, I was doing a lot of work in actually virtual production at the time, and we were putting together a content studio around that, and had a, an incredible amount of inquiry around interactive. Um, and we had a lot of event partners that couldn't do their events, and it, it really culminated in the a Burning Man experience that myself and a partner, Felix Wolfson, put on uh, in, in conjunction with Burning Man over that summer. And it really got us hot and heavy into the space. And we found that a lot of our capability around virtual environments and things we've been doing for movies and entertainment could suddenly translate into um, interactive experience. And so from there, it's been really a rocket ship ride of educating, developing technology, coming across incredible partners like Francois, and just continuing to help stakeholders figure out what they can do with this metaverse. And, and it's not even that we know, it's just that we know what's possible. And then we sort of shape the overall experience together from each of our relevant perspectives. That's so cool. That is so cool. And I do, I kind of want to get into a little bit later that kind of how you have to sort of break the idea that there are limitations when you start building in the metaverse. Like every single time I start talking about it, I'm like, well, how am I going to walk around in the metaverse? Why would I ever walk around in the metaverse when you can fly? Um, but I'm getting ahead of myself. I've mentioned this a few times already, but the Infinite Reality is the exclusive metaverse partner of Warner Brothers Discovery. That is a pretty massive deal and a signifier of how critical the metaverse seems to be figuring into Warner Brother Discovery's future plans. Could you share some of the strategic vision of going all in on the metaverse? Yeah, certainly, Michael. During my, my first meeting with John Acunto, he asked me a very simple question. What is your business in the sports industry? What are you doing? And um, I, ex I explained him, I said, look, I'm not sure you would find the equivalent of what Discovery Sport Events is doing here from Europe. But under the same umbrella, I am at the same time um, running championships of, of which I control the organization of the individual events. I'm also a producer. I'm also a broadcaster. I'm also a distributor. I have all the sponsorship rights, all the licensing rights. And when, he's, when I said this to him, he said, do you realize the position you are in? Uh, when it comes to metaverse and my answer to him was no sorry i don't 
but I would be very curious that you explain me why I have such a strong position, apparently. And he said, look, it's very simple. Metaverse is all about uh, delivering an immersive experience. And if you are in the position, you say, with the control over the entire chain of value, then we should be able to do something quite uh, exceptional together, first steps of uh, one hour's discovery in the sport field. And um, I went back home and then to the office, spoke to my, uh, to, to my, uh, to my boss, the president of um, one hour's discovery sports in Europe, and said, look, I think many people are scratching their heads in the group about metaverse. But I just realized that we, as Discovery Sport Events, we are in a position to not scratching our head, but just go for it, learn. And I said to him, I have the feeling, I have the gut, my gut feeling tells me that uh, the only way to learn is to is actually to do a partnership with, with that company, with Infinite Reality, and start developing our own metaverse experience around our own events. And um, we took the decision by that time that uh, Discovery Sport Events would be a kind of a laboratory for the rest of the group because we can include in, in metaverse experience around our own events the entire uh, assets of our rights, um, including live feed, including interaction with the athletes themselves because we have a connection with them, monetization, NFTs, everything. So um, we took the decision that um, I would negotiate a partnership with Infinite Reality to cover um, over a multi-year uh, period one metaverse experience per year that we would develop across four of our assets so that we have really time to learn that new segment. And frankly, I think the group is going into metaverse. I think we have to be very humble, frankly, because this is new. Uh, because this is vast, because this is, uh, I mean, the, the options you have in metaverse is the only boundaries is the creativity you want to put into it. And that's the, that's what is, is at the same time fascinating, and but also a, a constraint. Um, so we, we are acting on behalf of the group. And what I'm trying to do at my level is then to spread the knowledge, the experience we learn into metaverse with the rest of Warner Bros. Discovery. Um, because given the portfolio that the group have, the, the assets they have, uh, the IPs they have, um, I, I let you imagine what what Warner Bros. Discovery could do on a larger scale down the line. So um, it, it's a learning curve. This is our first steps. When partnering with Infinite Reality, I knew that the events we bring, we are 100% in control of, of the rights we bring on the table. And that was probably a key to do something meaningful, quality uh, with infinite reality. And but it's it's a bit maybe too early for me to say that what the vision of the group is. You would probably uh, would probably I cannot overstate my, my role uh, there. But 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 definitely I, I think that uh, everything we do and we have done so much and so quick with infinite reality. Um, can you believe that the first preview we we released? took us only three months of development time. It's, it's just, uh, I, I hardly could, be, could believe it myself. So um, um, for sure, I mean, it, yeah, it is a learning curve. And, um, but they are, I think they are quite, uh, uh, the, the announcement of our partnership raised quite significant curiosity in the group and appetite for hopefully uh, a bigger picture to come in over the coming years.
really never occurred to me, but it makes a hundred percent sense that if you control the end to end ecosystem of something, you can create an experience that's going to be seamless through every touch point. Whereas if you're only one part of the thing, you can only make so much of a, of an experience because you're going to be entering and exiting from something completely different. So that makes a lot of sense. And it just kind of really clarified everything to me. So thank you very much for that. Now, you said that there were possibilities. And yeah, absolutely. Warner Brothers IP collection, when you start to create virtual worlds where anything's possible, that yeah, the, the opportunities speak for themselves. Um, but in the short term, what are the kind of phase one objectives uh, for this partnership? I know that you said you were building out experiences, but what were you hoping, what is the, the outcome or the uh, achievement that you're really hoping to see in the short term? Well, a strong belief I have, and I, I don't want to say that uh, it was a belief from day one. From day one, it was a gut feeling, kind of, but, but it became over the last few months uh, a strong belief. I really believe that... Um, uh, metaverse will transform the sports industry. That I'm absolutely convinced about. Because metaverse breaks distance, because metaverse can transport uh, any user, anyone, any fan into any event at any moment without any uh, barriers, without any uh, limitations. We are probably the first one as a, as a sport right holder to go that deep and that quickly into metaverse. And we will probably uh, show the way, I would say, to, uh, to other right holders. I assume that um, uh, some, some things, part of what we will be developing with Infinite Reality will work. Um, part of which will probably need to be adapted, will be to, to, to need to be changed. Um, uh, over the years, but the phase one is definitely about delivering an experience which is um, absolutely immersive, which offers you absolutely everything you could dream of when you want to attend a sport event. So it's about the broadcast, it's about the social interaction, and it's about the monetization of that experience because Metaverse offers E-commerce offers uh, the possibility to bring NFTs into the mix. Um, so we really want to give an experience. I don't know in US, but in Europe, certainly, a lot of my friends, a lot of the people I'm talking to, uh, I hear them more and more talking about metaverse, but uh, still many of them are, are wondering exactly what metaverse is about. What can that offer? And a lot of curiosity uh, to participate in a metaverse experience. And when it comes to the sports industry, we want to offer something of absolutely premium, absolutely quality. Uh, so we have released the first preview last, last December in London around one of, our, of the property that we operate. The, the, it's a track cycling in a velodrome championship. We're going to release a full version of a metaverse experience at the end of April on a Speedway Grand Prix, another property, another, another championship that we operate. But the phase one is really to um, type into um, a new audience, probably an audience which is not watching the championship on, on a linear basis, maybe not an audience which is necessarily attending events in stadium. But it's not about the volume of people we will attract, but the quality of the experience we deliver 
so that we give them the appetite to uh, talk to their friends, invite them in the in, in to to participate in the metaverse, and raise the appetite for other brands to to join us. Pretty darn good place to start. Elliot, I'm going to pivot just a little bit because I want to talk about some late developments in the infinite reality. So late last year, you rolled out two new tools, the infinite skybox and the infinite showroom. And I was just hoping that you could kind of walk us through uh, what both of those tools do within a metaverse setting. Cool. Yeah, very happy to. Well, those two products came out of sort of our years of listening to the customers. I mean, everything we built has been because somebody asked for it, not because we presumed what anybody need, needed. Um, and and we saw a lot of you know excitement and interest in metaverse around what we would think of as like interactive or gaming. So when you think of mm-hmm. you know Roblox or or Sandbox, those are sort of already in a bit of a game type space. And as we had really broad discussions with our uh, you know partners, associates, the other two categories sort of of metaverse and thinking of metaverse as this convergence now of so many different things the convergence of interactive with media and you know streamed or content entertainment which would include broadcast and then e-commerce as a whole you know twin essentially to the content right those guys have a very close relationship for as long as there's been eyeballs and an interest to get in front of them and then lastly you know there's communication we think of social tools and things like that and and that for us is is as we got going we realized the really two massively underserved categories that we thought had the greatest possible short-term impact are in the media and entertainment and uh, e-commerce side of things. And so when you think of what a Skybox is, it's a product that is formulated and packaged as an easy on-ramp for content creators as a distribution tool, right? We present to them, hey, you for you, or for Francois, think of the metaverse as a distribution tool in the same way you've got satellite or you've got cable or you've got whatever. Here's a new distribution tool for your media that allows interactivity. It's not just one way. It allows complete data and and understanding of who and what your customers do when they get in the space. Now you can take your advertisers or your sponsors and you can set up a commerce experience and so in these conversations about bringing discovery online and, and other broadcast partners, of course, very quickly, they look at their revenue sources beyond ticketing, which are these sponsorships and advertising and say, well, how do we take that further? And that's mm-hmm. where our efforts in the e-commerce space around showroom, which is, is really very similar technology. It's very similar to Skybox, except that it's oriented towards more of a retail purchase experience. Mm-hmm. And so, um, when it comes to commerce in particular, it's things like helping brands go direct to consumer. And even to the degree of, thanks to the metaverse, being able to plug salespeople into those spaces, right? So that you can take your right. you know live retail sales folks and bring them in. Or for discovery, it's take their you know top athletes um, mm-hmm. or Olympians and connect the fans with them. So, uh, you know, Francois said it earlier when he talked about breaking distance. For us, it's looking at these big categories and saying, okay, where can this removal of distance help the most? And for brands, we saw it in e-commerce, we saw it as direct-to-consumer. And for content creators, we saw it as build 
the ultimate experience you could create for your audience. Those Skybox experiences get populated with a number of different touch points that we found to be very a common refrain among our, our, our various clients that we were, you know, our partner with and are developing with. And, and it's things that Francois mentioned, like NFTs, uh, you know, being able to put those up for sale or allowing people who purchase NFTs to put them on display in their own skybox. Mm-hmm. All right. And, and these skyboxes for the audience are really, it's like that personal space that gives access to a deeper level of engagement in and around a piece of content. Um, so what we built for discovery was 100% tuned from a creative standpoint to elevate the broadcast experience, but also the immersive experience within the sport itself. And so we were able to include material that discovery had already produced to help fans understand the sport better, help them get more of an emotional connection to, to what's happening here, right? I mean, it's very fast. It's very kinetic. It's very exciting. Until we got into it, I didn't realize how much strategy was involved. And suddenly your dynamic, you know, really gets get exciting and interesting. And then you start to look from the broadcast viewer experience, what else can we offer that, that adds engagement beyond social? And, and, and really the big one is these multiple camera feeds, you know, when you've got a, a direct stream. And I know there's a couple of streaming options out there and a few things that maybe they give you a couple different screen streams or a couple different screens. And. But in this case, anything and everything that goes into that live broadcast booth can be delivered directly to the customer and the consumer so they can. And Francois came up with a great name for this, be your own director. And so literally you could pick from any number of these feeds, onboard cameras, cable cams, additional content pieces, right? But I want to, if, if I'm really into a particular athlete, I'd love to see their warm up. I'd love to see their engagement with their coach. I'd love to... And all of a sudden you start stumbling into an enormous differentiator that has nothing to do with avatars, right? Yeah. It has everything to do with this material is already out there. The discovery crew is already shooting this. It's just, they haven't had the arms and legs to distribute this in different ways. And so it's really to Francois' point about transforming sports. We've started to see this reciprocal relationship now where, well, what else can we do in the broadcast or, or in stadium? That gives us that feeling. You know, we had some team members who were signed into the experience that we were showing in the venue. We had a VIP booth and we were showing various people. But what our uh, folks back home were getting was the incredible energy of the stadium. They heard the cheering, they heard the roar, they saw the lights, and that really, really rich experience, like the just a human, like ground shaking experience. Our partners and VIPs and so forth that we brought in we're experiencing that level of engagement. And suddenly we thought, wait a minute, that's what we need. Why can't we add that next, you know, in the next series? Why can't I have this stadium, more stadium centric type experience where I hear the house announcer and I, and I hear the breaks, maybe I want a break, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's just been really exciting to, to look at, and this has really been our sort of guiding light through all of this. And this is why Francois and Discovery have been so critical for us we would never pretend to understand what is of value to that audience more than the content creator themselves or for a brand. We wouldn't presume to know what would be better for that brand's customers. And I'll tell you, the wish list for last year was maybe 15 things. I want to say it was 45 things for, the, for, for this year, just because everybody's brain got going about what this could be.
that is so cool. And that's actually sort of perfectly states the, the point I was making earlier that you really have to train your brain to stop putting boxes around your ideas. Uh, when you get into the metaverse, when truly anything can be created, any uh, experience. But one thing to make live broadcasts interactive, mm -hmm. that alone has just insane implications in my mind, just like because interactivity, that's the thing that everybody craves. They want to control what they're being entertained by or interact with it or some in some way. And um, to do that to something like live sports, uh, yeah, the opportunities are, are seemingly uh, endless. Yeah, that, that's fascinating, Michael, because, I mean, in, in, in what we are going to deliver at the end of April on Speedway, um, we're going to stream more than 20 different live feeds at the that's same time in the skybox. Crazy. So not only as, 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 as a user, you create your avatar, you can pick and choose the, 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 the live feed you want. You can even select the rider you want to follow uh, in particular. But Metaverse beyond this offers you the opportunity to invite your best friend who may be in Australia, and you can watch the same program and talk to him in the Metaverse as if you were in the stadium, in the grandstand, uh, 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 next to each other. And if the right order is strong enough that you have down the line the possibility to interact also with the athletes or with the riders themselves before the competition or, or during the competition in between uh, on, on breaks, for instance, or straight after, what kind of tickets or VIP tickets do you need to buy if you go to, uh, uh, even I don't know, an NBA game, an NBA game. Uh, what kind of ticket uh, would you could you buy to to have that kind of of access and that kind of experience? Um, so, a lot of the things that we're seeing in the metaverse are coming from very very large organizations, but a lot of our listeners are in companies that may not have the pockets to buy acreage in the metaverse and set up mega uh, structures. So what what are the opportunities for you know small to mid tier brands playing in the metaverse as as it kind of continues to roll out? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think the first thought I would bring to it before even thinking about what the the mechanical answer is of you know where where do you jump in and what do you do? I think it's it's what is that deeper message that you're trying to communicate if you're a brand or if you're a broadcaster? What is it that you're trying to accomplish with that audience experience? That that in and of itself is a is not a quick answer. It, mm -hmm. it it's actually a journey because we're so used to sort of micro evolutions where we just build on top of what we've done and build on top of what we've done that that suddenly you're kind of confronted by these much bigger questions, and that will take some time. But it's also really the best flashlight you've got to start with and say, okay, here are our values. Here's our, what we're trying to communicate. And what we see uncovered too, and this is, will be interesting for brands, is those that are already positioned and have thought of themselves and present themselves in a clear, authentic way, that translates much faster as you do what the metaverse does, which is like, it's like colorizing black and white, right? It's like mm -hmm. all of a sudden, half the directors of photography didn't know what to do anymore because now it was all in color and they had to look at the product in a different way. You're adding almost every kind of possible dimension of detail and nuance to a product all at once. 
And frankly, who wants to take that kind of risk in a sense, right? Either on an individual or scale basis. And so you, you do find certain brands that are comfortable doing that. And I would say there are that for the, the larger audience, um, we see that they need a, a pathway to work with their creative teams to bring creative to life. If you think of what web was in the mid nineties, right? Very few folks could on their own or companies could build their own website in any way that felt really meaningful or was easy to manage. And it wasn't till there were, were technologies for the developers themselves or, or for whom the brand was hiring the developer that let them sort of jumpstart into the process. So from a, company strategic standpoint, we believe all the value lies in the fertility of the relationship between the, the brand and consumer or content creator and audience. And that, that for that to find its maximum value, it needs this quote unquote open metaverse that everybody's talking about, where mm -hmm. those brands need to be able to develop and own and manage and control their own bits and pieces. And so for us, that appetite is very clear. We actually see there's a huge gap, really, and that those that are building right now, it is like early websites where every version you're basically building from scratch. You know, mm -hmm. there's no connectivity between them. It's it's hard to structure, so it's hard to make a big investment behind. What we're anticipating is that what we're building with Francois, for example, in media, with what you'll see in our you know showroom product, for example. Those are, you're going to see products that emerge that are easier to onboard with. It's not going to suddenly be Wix of the metaverse. That's it. That's, you know, right, right. that's a further piece, right? Right. But you're going to see some standardization and tools that people can use to figure it out in a sense, you know, or, and, and at least have the authority and creativity and willingness to take that chance on their own instinct and jump in. And then I think ultimately what that cascades down to which is sort of the other end of the metaverse is the creator economy. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. I'm and so you have this, right. You have this super high end top tier. Nike's going to do it a very specific way. We'll do it a very specific way with, with discovery. That's going to reveal some things, some commonalities, you know, you need some standardization. How does the TV work? Well, they had to standardize some things, you know, so right. that, so that it, it, it was effective. And I think you'll, you'll see these tools and capabilities. There already is a lot of, you know, of, interest and activity of this in the creator economy, but, but the real meat and potatoes, I think needs to be underwritten by the major brands so that then it can be offered at scale agnostic to any particular platform so that you're not trapped on, um, you know, a third party platform as a creator or as a larger brand. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, empowering creators is really yeah, it, it's an essential part to any new landscape. Um, and so, yeah, I'm I'm just really happy that you kind of tied that in with the creator uh, economy because, yeah, it needs to be a metaverse that reflects the world. And for that to happen, the world needs access to being able to create experiences as this continues to, you know, take a bigger and bigger part of our lives. So, as the uh, head of the marketing futures program for ANA. 
I am Mr. Shiny Object. Uh, when something new comes up in the industry, it is my job to kind of get on top of it and uh, help contextualize it in the marketing world that already exists. So my 2022 was spent talking to just about anyone from across uh, verticals and company sizes about the metaverse. And, you know, as the year uh, was beginning, there was a lot, a lot of energy around it, um, excitement, new things were kind of uh, rolling out. And now this is really just from my perspective of talking to the marketers trying to get the job done at, at your various brands. But by year's end, there felt like there was a little bit of a hangover feeling to the metaverse among some uh, marketers. Could you uh, share your opinions on that? Because I thought it was very interesting that it, it, the excitement was palpable at, at, at the beginning of the year. And then among some circles, by the year's end, they were kind of like, mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I'd, Francois, jump in. Don't let me uh, over-answer over this. But um, look, I, I, I think what it distilled down for to a certain degree in our minds is how do you define it? And what are you talking about when you say metaverse? If you talk about metaverse as sort of a hypothetical place that it's somewhere else, it's somewhere else you go to, it's something else that you connect to, and a lot of the initial offerings were sort of that way, right? It's mm -hmm. like, here's a giant yeah. world you can go into, see what you can find. That proved to be a massive struggle for us when it came to what is the real utility and value, right? Like that, that I'll just say hype doesn't last long when people have to hit KPIs other than maybe exposure or something like that. And it's a pay to play and okay, you've got so many folks, we'll get a 5% return. Other than just sort of simple activations, when you talk about what the real value is, it wasn't until we pivoted and looked at, wait a minute, what can this do for our customers? Um, what can this do for our partners' customers, our part partners' audiences, and obviously by extension, the partner? Um, I mean, a simple example is like DVDs. You know, they look great. They were cool. They're better than VHS. If you didn't scratch them, they last a long time. But it really wasn't until, you know, the DVD extras thing came out where the studios could take a bunch of extra material that was sitting on a shelf that couldn't quite sell on its own because it wasn't a big enough audience. But boy, if you stuck that stuff on there, everybody's got to go buy that, that DVD. Never mind that one. You got to get the special edition DVD that has even more of that stuff, you know? And, and so it's like, what's that? It's like doing the homework to find those use cases. It wasn't until we almost forced ourselves in a sense in listening to our partners asking, how is this relevant to me? To actually take the time to say, yeah, how is this relevant to them? How is this capability relevant to them? And it just turned out very quickly, it's nothing to do with the space. It's like making a movie because you think about the screen the whole time. Mm -hmm. It's like, you're yeah. supposed to be thinking about the emotional experience of the audience. That's the movie. The, 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 mm -hmm. the, the screen doesn't matter. It could be shiny. It could be big. It could be small. Like That's going to make something of a difference, but that's but fundamentally, it's a story. Mm -hmm. Fundamentally, what is it for the audience? Fundamentally, what is it for the brand? And I don't know how much that helps answer the question, but that was sort of for us a big difference between the beginning of the year and the end of the year. Are you here to provide value to others authentically and transparently? Are you here to earn business and earn partnerships? Or, or is there a larger concept that you're trying to push that that for which the audience hasn't really proven itself or the customers as yet haven't proven themselves and um i don't know those are some thoughts
I forget every good quote. I, I keep the quote and forget the quoter. So I apologize to whoever said this. But um, I think it kind of ties in what both of you were just talking about, is that the metaverse isn't a destination. It's a dimension. It's mm. going to expand and um, deepen things that already exist. Like you said, Francois, it's not going to replace anything. It's just going to add an extra level of immersion and control uh, to eventually, I really feel like everything. So well, well said, both of you gentlemen. And what I like, Mike, is sorry, is the uh, the inverse of that too, is to consider what it removes, as, as Francois mm. mentioned earlier, which was, and I, I really wish terribly I could remember who I heard this from because it was so compelling <laughs> when I heard it. But, and truly, I could, I'd love to know if anybody, <laughs> any listener you have can fill us in. Marketing features was, uh, at ANA.net. Let us know who we're quoting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, um, you know, the, the metaverse is the removal of distance mm-hmm. for creativity, commerce, connection, you know, collaboration. Um, and boy, that really turned my head around when I started looking at it that way. And you realize how much of it's already here, how much of it is here when you use a zip, even your phone. It's already been happening for quite a long time. Um, and And one thought sort of to branch from that is like, is, is demographically, you know, it's like it, when you really look at the youth and, and you look at these goals of so many brands and, and content creators to get to a younger audience, you realize they've been there the whole time. They don't even know what you're talking about because it's their daily life to a certain Absolutely. degree. Uh, you know, so it's really interesting that the, the lens that you look at it from, and I, I love that description as well, the dimension one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, actually, it's funny. Hope and I were talking the other day and I said, well, one great thing is that for Gen Z and Gen Alpha, there's no education necessary to enter no. the metaverse. It's just it's a for, it's a fortnight for groceries. It's a fortnight for this. You know what I mean? That there's just the language is already there. The context is already there. So that is something very interesting that adoption. I don't think there's going to be, you know, among those generations, I don't think there's going to be much, if any, friction at all, which is something kind of odd for something so new you know, something so massively new. So we are the Marketing Futures Podcast. So if you don't mind, I'd love to just kind of take a look at the horizon. And I know you said earlier that you're you're learning things as you go through and you don't have a, an end destination in mind. Um, but what do you see as the possibilities? Like you said, it went from 15 things to 45 things. What are you seeing as the years kind of go down of what could be possible for Warner Brothers Discovery in the metaverse? So vision we have is that we will have our own ecosystem where you will be able to navigate from one metaverse experience to the other. That That, that is certain. We will test uh, over the, the, the coming months and coming years, we will be testing many different options. Should Metaverse uh, be accessible on a subscription basis? Should you pay with your credit card? Should you buy an NFT uh, to access uh, Metaverse? Some parts should be accessible as, as a teaser, other parts being accessible on a subscription basis. How do you build relationship with advertisers, e-commerce, what's the retail experience like? Should should Metaverse be the place to launch special products, special editions only available in Metaverse? I mean, this is this is what we're going to do and what we're going to learn across our partnership with, with Infinite Reality. As I said to you, Michael, at the beginning, I think you have to be very, at the same time, 
humble and daring. I love it. So we're going to pivot the podcast. We ask the same three questions of all our guests. So let's begin with this. First one is open kind of by design. Uh, and I'd love to hear from both of you what your thoughts are on diversity, equity, and inclusion. Well, for me, that's very simple because uh, the group I'm working for has uh, diversity, equity, and, and inclusion on the front door. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's no need to say how much uh, diversity and inclusion is important to one of our discovery. Um, you have so many examples. Um, it, this is really part of the culture of, of the group. I mean, for me personally, as a manager, is this this is nearly everything. Uh, around me, I have uh, my closest uh, my closest ninety uh, percent of the of my my closest um, staff are, are are women, are moms, are from very different backgrounds actually. And it's a principle in life when I when I recruit a new candidate. Uh, not to look at, at his uh, curriculum before the meeting starts. Um, so it's um, I, I'm, diversity and inclusion is is also this. Um, so yeah, for me this is this is this is nearly everything, um, and I'm glad to be part of a group which is putting so much effort um, behind that topic. That's cool. I might start trying that and not look at the uh, the resume before the meeting begins. That's such a great way to keep your mind completely open. Fantastic mm-hmm. answer. That's that Olympic sailor is feeling the wind, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give me the numbers. I got it. I can see the white caps. Oh, I, love it. Uh, I love it. Yeah, no, this is an awesome question. I, like, I, I, I think creativity and inspiration are everywhere. And I think we really want to see the opportunity for that creativity and for that inspiration to find its path. And when we really think about the creator economy, we think about, you know, like really finding ways and using technology to let that talent and and come forward. I think that's immense. The other piece is thinking about audiences themselves. You know, they really want to see themselves in media. They want to see them. You want to see yourself in a product, right? You, you, you want to everybody wants to see themselves there on, on, on both sides of the table. So I think those are, I don't know, two quick dimensions where it's just a no brainer, um, mm-hmm. you know, where the value is and that, that everyone gets a richer experience, the more broadly diverse the opportunities are. All right, here come the big guns. I hope you're ready, okay? You've been fantastic guests. I hate to do this to you, but I'm gonna need an answer from both of you. Francois Ibou, uh, mm-hmm. Elliot Joby, Favorite album of all time and why? Oh, also, it's not exactly my generation, but just the one before. I think uh, best of, of Queens has always been uh, mm. has always been part of my life. Um, probably because of the energy I need on a, on a day-to-day basis to deliver 45 events across five continents. This is not a part-time job. Um, and, and yes, I do need a lot of energy. And whenever I, I put that, that, uh, that best stuff from Queens, I mean, it's, yeah, and, um, it, it gives me uh, goosebumps. So that, that album has always been part of my life and I think will always be. That's awesome. That's a great answer. Awesome. Well, my wife is taking me so far deep into the world of jazz and other music forms. She's a musician and, and I, nice. I, 
you know, is there even an album in that spectrum that I could necessarily name? I mean, I'll I'll cheat and say that that one of the ones that really got me early on was uh, you know the 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 Doors produced an album well after Jim Morrison was gone, and mm-hmm. they took his poetry, which had been recorded, and then the keyboardists and some of the other groups then wrapped music around it. It's called an American Prayer, and oh, there's just yeah. something. Yeah, growing up in Southern California, there's just, you know, and then moving to LA when I was 18 and realizing suddenly I was on the Sunset Strip and I saw the whiskey the first day I was there. It's like, eh, it's hard to deny. Um, and then, you know, nowadays today, do, do they even have albums? I feel like you know, there's, there's <laughs> I've been a variety of music and way it's, you know, distributed. But mm. uh, in any case, it's a great question. Thank you. Yeah, I'm going to have to like, in a couple of years, I'm going to be like, so what's your uh, favorite Spotify, which of your five yeah. Spotify prepped playlists? Do you like a Yeah. Um, but thank you very much, both of you. And uh, great answers, both. I forgot about An American Prayer until right now. And you said it. And yeah, it is. It's a powerful uh, piece of music or uh, body of music. All right. Let's wrap it up on a little uh, bit of a lighter note. You both crushed the hard question. So what's, let's bring it to today. What are you listening to now, whether it's a song, an artist, a podcast, maybe a book? What is exciting you nowadays? Oh, well, you said exciting. I mean, I, I'd have to tell you, I mostly hear the soundtrack to Frozen. Frozen 2 <laughs> and whatever the other movie, like daily and in the night when I wake up, right? I mean, it's just in my, I've got a one-year-old and a three-year-old. So I'm, I was about to ask how old. <laughs> it's a deep dive. Yeah. Um, but, but other than that, you know, what's fun to share with, um, I would say these are, I don't know how obscure these are to the audience, but um, Underworld and M83 um, are two groups that mm-hmm. I always seem to love when something new comes out. I really enjoy orchestration. I enjoy music that goes towards like hymnal, impactful, you know, cathartic, but also with that sort of, you know, technological and sometimes dance bet. So you're either going to hear Frozen or you're going to hear uh, some Underworld here with the kids and we do some, <laughs> we do our own dance parties around the kitchen and have a great time. <laughs> Your music mm. streaming algorithms must be so confused. <laughs> it's a mess. <laughs> it's a mess. Forget that. The Netflix, like, oh, it's all, yeah. <laughs> Francois, what are you? Uh, what is what is lighting up those synapses nowadays? Uh, it's a French uh, singer called uh, Aurel San. Uh, is is a phenomenon in 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 in, in France, in Europe, um, and uh, I'm fascinated um, about what he does. He started in in a very small city, uh, singing uh, rap in in his in his garage. And what is what I found absolutely fascinating about him is that uh, he started when he was 13 and his brother was 14 by that time. And he said to his brother, look, you're going to record with a chef camera everything I do with my garage, because one day we will do a documentary, a docu-series about this. And, and the second season of his docu-series just went out on Amazon Prime in France. And, uh, and, and I just, I mean... That that guy is 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 fascinating to me because the vision he had by that yep. time when he was a teenager and he knew that he would become someone and he knew that the content around him would would mean something to his fan is is just uh, exceptional. I, I would pay actually a lot of money uh, to spend a, a dinner with him. 
That is so cool. And yeah, vision's the word for it. When you're 13, you're like, trust me, bro. Um, <laughs> that is yeah. that is really impressive. That is really impressive. Uh, gentlemen, thank you so much for stopping by the virtual studio today. This has been such a great conversation. Uh, and it's been my honor to have you here on the Marketing Futures Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Marketing Futures Podcast. Have an idea for a topic or guest for a future episode? Shoot us a note at marketingfutures at ana.net. Be sure to subscribe to the Futures Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, if you're looking to get smart on the future, point your browsers to ana.net slash futures.